what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Leadership GPS, insightful conversations about leadership and what it takes to be successful in today's rapidly changing organizations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Leadership GPS here on TheMesh.TV. This is our ongoing podcast audio show talking about the world of leadership, talking about ways to transform people from managers or just employees in an organization to strong leaders, helping those that are already in leadership positions look at ways to strengthening what they do for their organization, and really just trying to look at the, 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 the art of leadership, I guess, as it stands, and some of the things that we can help uh, reinforce from a do's and don'ts standpoint and some things to keep in mind with that. With me, as always, my co-host on the show, Tony Jackson, Tony Dad Jackson. So I'm going to kind of get the naming down pat on this, whether we go with Dad it's, or it's Tony. About time I kind you of had 40 years to work. I kind of this. fluctuate a little bit before between it on the show. Of course, Tony and I, Dad and I, work together on a daily basis, so we get to uh, uh, experience that dynamic quite a bit. Both of us working in different levels of leadership. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay, Alan. Son, yeah, Alan. Right. Son, just refer to me as son. That's nice and formal. I like that. <laughs> okay. so. uh, of course, Tony's with Drive Leadership, a part of our business that. Uh, focuses on helping transform people from just managers to leaders, to true strong leaders through a very customized, unique approach, working with uh, small groups within organizations to help them move to that next level. Uh, And I'm with the Jackson Group, a part that Tony Jackson started many years ago, and I'm now running it, which uh, specializes in both employee and patient satisfaction surveys, customer satisfaction surveys. Uh, market perception, community perception surveys, trying to help collect data around what we want to learn from our different populations. So it's a good synergy between the two yeah, the two companies we so. have there and the two uh, lines of work we do. But today we're bringing in kind of a new third component. And yes, we're keeping it in the family <laughs> as we do have with us our special guest, uh, my brother, Tony's son, uh, Dr. Brian Jackson, who is the professor of performance psychology and kinesiology at Pacific University. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thank hey, you. Brian, son. Sure. Brian, son, brother, as I will call you, brother from here brother on. And that's right. Mr. Yeah. Jackson. Yeah. Well, Brian is uh, not only a professor there, as, as I mentioned, but also the director of the tennis program, heading up uh, the tennis programs for both the men's and women's tennis teams there at Pacific University, located in beautiful Forest Grove, Oregon, yes. which we've uh, had the pleasure of visiting before and really enjoyed our time out there. Glad to have you here for the holidays, getting family together, and uh, you and your wife, Laura, visiting with us again for the for the holiday season here. So yeah, glad to thanks. have you. Thanks. Glad to glad to be here. Figured it'd be a good time to fire out the mics and let's talk a little bit about leadership because you're actually in a role where you've got uh, a lot of expertise with leadership as well, but from a little bit different slant on things. And I think it's going to be interesting to kind of see some of the change in dynamics. Yeah. As we talk about teams, that's our big thing we're going to focus on today is talking about the idea of teams, not only because in leadership we deal with teams, we have teams of employees, we have teams of other leaders. But also in the sports world, of course, that's where we typically think of the word team, sports teams, you know, athletic teams. Uh, that's kind of the, the normal vernacular we have out there in society when we think of a team. So we want to talk a little bit about that structure of uh, team in an athletic environment versus or how it's very similar to a corporate business world as well. Sound like a good topic to you guys? Yeah. Sounds you right. guys got some stuff to talk about with that? Tons of connections. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think this yep. would be great. Well, before we get started, just as a quick reminder to everybody, you are listening to this podcast on TheMesh.TV. That is our online media network of new media, audio and video programs that are available for free. You can find out all the shows on TheMesh.TV. Every episode of every show we have is available on the website. You can go and download it, play it live on the website. 
and there's no cost with any of the broadcasts of these episodes. But we really want you to actually consider going on to Apple iTunes, go to the podcast store and find this show or any other shows and hit the little subscribe button that lets you know that every time we put out a new episode of this show, it gets automatically delivered to your inbox, to your iTunes program. You don't have to go and hunt it out. We'll deliver it to you if you hit that subscribe button. So that's really what we'd like to see you do. If you like the show, give us some feedback, star ratings on the iTunes store as well. We always appreciate that. So guys, let's go ahead and talk about teams. And I guess that the whole message here is we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of teams. Are they really all that important in the grand scheme of things? We're in a world where individual performance is normally highlighted quite a bit, especially in the sports world. We have celebrities, we have big pro athletes that are known much more for individual performances but we've got a business world as well where you've got star performers and people who are your great employees, but you also have this concept of teams and building teams. So let's talk a little about when we say teams and we talk about this idea of a team, what does that mean to you guys when you really hear it as the term team or teamwork or teamship, whatever it may be? How does that translate? What does that mean to you in your world and what you do on a daily basis? I'll start it off because I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> well, you I, know, I know you. it's weird coming from me, but let me right. tell you my own bias about this, Alan. Okay. It's, I think the term team or teamship or teamwork, all those are fuzzy terms that are just about as fuzzy as the word leader, leadership, those things we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. You get 12 people off the streets and ask them what a team is, you're going to get 12 different responses. Same right. thing about leadership. So I think there's a lot of uh, common use of the term team, just like leader and leadership. But really when you boil it down – I think it boils down to the fact that people say, well, I know it when I see it, mm-hmm. but I don't know really what it is sometimes. Okay. Now, to me, if I had to put a definition on it, it's a group of people working together in a very synergistic way, which means there's a larger outcome than just the combined efforts of those people okay. towards this common goal. But that's pretty textbook stuff. Brian, what do you, what do you think? You look well, at it from the sports world as well as psychology, I know. So. Yeah, I mean, this is something we – talk about all the time because the the idea of it you know a group is greater than the sum of the parts right mm-hmm. i mean the, the whole reason that that comes about is because there's some connection between individuals that if you took them individually and said you do your part and then added them together they're probably go- not going to be as effective as if you put them all together and had them work with each other so mm-hmm. it's the it's the anal- the basketball analogy of having a, a, a great team atmosphere where people tend to work well together you can't just go get the great you know the five best athletes that automatically assume they're going to be a great team so to mm-hmm. me that you know the team is it's team is when they're starting to work together and you've got individuals that are trying to help one another and therefore going beyond what they could do alone and you, know, you could as i said you could take those individuals put them on the on the field put them on the court and they may individually do really well but there's got to be some kind of special connection that has to develop in order for you to take that to a higher level to make it a team. You know, you can have a group of people and a group of people becomes a team, I think, when the interaction is there, when the uh, when they make each other better. And hmm. uh, So is the argument almost that if and trying to look at the center, synergy between business world and sports world, you know, if you hired a group of employees that were really, really good employees individually, they had mm-hmm. great skill sets, great experience, and mm-hmm. you drop them in the place and said, okay, your job is now to all of you together do this thing, but they're not really working as a team, even though they may have a shared goal. I mean, is it still a team, even if they're all kind of doing their own thing and there's not really any connection between them as employees? I mean, it's the same idea as sports world. I mean, 
you get the NBA team together and say, all right, our goal is to win the championship. But if they're all working as an individual just to get the best stats they can on the board, is it still going to work as well, you know? Well, yeah, I struggle with that, Alan, because a lot of times, you know, I practice my trade mostly in healthcare arenas, uh, not exclusively, but mostly so. And sometimes people use the word team in a healthcare setting to simply mean the people working in a similar area mm-hmm. doing similar things, a unit, a floor, mm-hmm. nurses on a floor, whatever it might be. But when you start spreading those out, Mm-hmm. You know, and geographic areas dis- dispersed from each other, so they don't have constant interaction and, and contact. The, the concept of team really falters mm-hmm. there because there's not that, like you said, that not reinforcing each other. It's possible. So a lot of it has to do with the organizational dynamics, organizational structure, the leadership of those groups or teams, and whether or not the clear objective is really there. And I just don't see that often enough in my world of healthcare as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. I mean, if everybody thinks I'm going to do this because it's for the good of patient care, that's the ultimate objective. That's great. That's a lot of times it's like, well, I'm going to do this because they told me to do it and, mm-hmm. you know, get get through the day mm-hmm. type of thing. Well, it you know, in the business world, if you put people in individual offices and never let them communicate with one another yep. and say, do your job the best you can do, you have to assume there's some some loss in productivity there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if there's no interactions between them, then there's no efficiency. There's no, uh, well, you know, if I did this, Alan may benefit from this. And if I worked with him, he's got a better way of doing it than I do. And then all of a sudden we become better. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, when the team develops, right? Other than that, it's it's just naming someone. I mean, you could put someone in the category of salesmen, yeah. but if they're not working together, I, I certainly wouldn't call them a team. There's not a team of salesmen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You might call it a sales team, but... Usually that's a support person with a salesperson, with a marketing person, whatever. But, yeah, I understand. Well, so what is, what is the role of a leader in looking at the team and even helping build that team out? Because it sounds like to me, from what you guys are saying, you get some good, talented people. You put them together. You give them a goal or a mission or objective. But they're not necessarily going to be a team unless they're encouraged, motivated, uh, structured to be so. And that sounds like that's all down to the leader at that point. So when we look at building a team, what are, what are, what is the role of a leader in helping build that team out? What should a leader be doing to really build a good team to make it work as, a, as good as possible? Well, from my standpoint, again, it starts with expectations of the leader that's made by the organization that leader works for. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, again, that a lot of leaders are told – Part of what we expect of you as a leader is to develop a team mentality, a team culture within your work groups. You know, uh, it's assumed that they should, mm-hmm. but it's usually by default. And I, going back to Brian's example, I, you know, I could look at your tennis teams, for example. Mm-hmm. You, know, you call them tennis teams, yep. although they're individual performers. And when they're playing singles, it's the individual effort, individual yep. type thing. Yep. Playing doubles, I could see that. That's a team of doubles, you know. Right. And then they, hand signals, you know, how they communicate with each other, knowing in advance where they're going to be and positioning and work that out in advance. That collaboration has to occur. But how do you apply that to your tennis team as individuals, at the concept of team? Yeah, and that's the toughest part, right? It's because you – you have a bunch of individuals who have grown up playing a sport that is individual. Mm-hmm. Just like if you bring in a salesperson and they've done it on their own for many years and they're used to being 
self-reliant. They, you know, they don't need anyone else to be able to do their craft, just like my tennis players don't. But my goal is, I mean, if, if all I needed was to have the six best tennis players and just put them on the court, then I could go ahead and predict that we'd win matches right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, without even practicing. You know, but obviously my hope is that we go beyond what we could have done. Uh, so you know, to me, the, that's the beauty of a sport like tennis, uh, track, mm-hmm. swimming, you know, where the individual performance is what counts. But the goal is how do you get those individuals to do better than they would be if they were on their own? Uh, and, right. You know, in, in the high school ranks, they're dealing with this issue now is that you'll have, um, you know, Alan and I played high school tennis together. And, you know, you had individuals that nowadays, if they're really, really good and say better than everyone else that's around there, they say, well, you know, I'm going to be better if I just practice on my own. Mm-hmm. If I go and practice on my own, I'll get to a certain level. But every coach will say, I need you here yeah. at least a certain point in time. Mm. And why is that? Because there's some benefit that they're going to give to everyone else. Even if you're the best person, you're going to have some something rub off on everyone else, or you're going to have this team mentality of motivation that's going to come from it. So as a coach, as a leader, to me it's the most important thing to figure out how do you, how do you get individuals to stay motivated with one another to realize that what they do could help someone else in getting their best out of uh, – uh, out of their game. Well, so, let me let me so, just, let me interrupt because you, you, your question about the role of the leader in making a team mm-hmm. does that mean a trickle down effect from the leader? It has to start with the leader. The language, the, the you used the word a while ago, we a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the individual players playing their game so that we win the match and we can predict that we will win this match and all that. Yep. You didn't say so that uh, Robbie right. will win his match, you know, right. that type of thing. Right. So, is it the role of the leader to trickle it down? Well, I think it's the role of the leader to be part of that team. I mean, mm. I think that's the important piece is that the leader has to be a member of that team. I can't say that this is the team, right, and I am someone who directs the team because I I think I'm not listening to my own coaching at that point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling them that you're the number one player, but you can make the number two player better. And if you guys work together, you're going to be better than you would be alone, same thing for me. I would assume that if I'm not working with them, if I'm not helping them achieve their best, then I'm not really doing the team mentality. I could be the best coach I could be without working with them. I mean, I could go and mm-hmm. recruit, and I could go and manage, and I could go and budget, and I can do all the things I need to do. But if I'm not working with them, then that's the team mm-hmm. itself is suffering, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, the leader has to be part of that team. Um, and also we have to kind of talk about what leaders are we – speaking about because in my my world there's many leaders um Mm. there's not just the coach coach is usually the one that the buck stops here but you know it's the in the sports psychology world we call it the difference between appointed leaders and emerging leaders Mm -hmm. Uh, appointed appointed, and emerging appointed yeah and Mm -hmm. appointed i'm an appointed leader right i've been given a title i've been given a job and i have you know things that i need to accomplish but then you also have emerging leaders which are usually players team members that step up and actually make everyone better even though they may not be asked to make someone better. So usually our team captains, um, you know, those are people that I don't just go and point to them and say, you're a captain. I wait to see who, you know, is kind the of catalyst, into that who's naturally. the one that's going to make everybody better. But can't there be toxic leaders? I know that's one topic we'll be talking about later on with somebody, from an officer from the Army later mm-hmm. on. But, uh, I mean, we're assuming that the term leader is a positive one. Mm-hmm. But right. you can be a leader. Mm-hmm. Towards evil objectives, you know, or bad things, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's that guy that sticks out in your team that's lousy to be around. 
he's not good for the team, yep. but everybody listens to him. Yep. They're all affected by him. Is that true or not true? Oh, totally. Yeah, and I and I think the but it, the term motivation right means a lot. I mean, mean actually just means to move someone mm-hmm. in a particular direction. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't necessarily mean to move them in a positive direction. Right. So, you know, I can have. I could have team emerging team leaders that is that individual who is lazy and really wants his position given to him and he wants everyone else to feel the same way. And so all of a sudden he's the bad apple that that causes everyone else to to have issues. So all of a sudden I have a leader that's motivating them in the wrong way, Mm -hmm. motivating motivating them to question my authority, motivating them to – to try to get out of doing some of the things that we know is going to be helpful. He's the one that on the side will tell a team member, if it were a colleague, I'm not going to practice today. You mm-hmm. know, you have to go practice. Come on, let's go right. whatever, right? Yeah. Well, he's well, the individual that the in, same thing in, in the corporate in world that exactly, would imagine yeah. that doing the hallway conversations, well, right? When we, do our surveys, a negative yeah. culture, right. you know. when we do our surveys with employees, you know, and we ask specifically for those new employees in an organization, when they join their department or work group or unit, you know, were they welcomed by the other employees there? Do they feel supported and positive by the other employees? And you'll normally find there's those pockets where you've got some of those employees that maybe been there a really long time, maybe a little more jaded than others, have that toxic mentality to it. And it affects the new people coming into the team pretty quickly. Um, that's where the leader's role, the true leader, has to really be a lot more aggressive in making sure that their term of leadership, their tone of leadership and, and teamwork permeates throughout the department to kind of counteract. So that's the appointed leader you're talking yeah. about, like Brian was talking about. Yeah, you, you run the risk of letting an emerging leader in a department or work area be that toxic leader. And all of a sudden, if the appointed leader isn't able to control that, yep. you can get out of hand pretty quick. I would imagine the same way in a team, too. It, yeah, um, it's it's exactly that way. And then you also have the the individuals that feel the feel threatened by the person you appoint as a leader that happens often right mm-hmm. the person that's been there for a long time mm-hmm. they think they need to be the leader um, and then sometimes even the person that you do appoint all of a sudden you know has a, a kind of a god complex that comes about that says well i'm going to now force everyone to do that well in my area you often are appointing leaders as captains or as um, you know a, a a person who's in charge of doing some workouts in the morning, they have no training in being a leader whatsoever. You know, so you're hoping you pick someone that has natural ability to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes you have a, a toxic leader that emerges. And you know, if, you're, if your team cohesion, if your uh, culture has not been strong enough, then it will take over. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's really important, I think, to develop that team culture um, in your environment that's strong enough to that those individuals get pushed out right away. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, they're not allowed to, to be toxic. Mm. So, and this is a loaded question because I know there's an easy answer to this first part of it, but obviously there's a lot of benefits to having a team, having people work in a team as opposed to working individually. But just humor me. What, what are some of those real advantages, some, some really sharp advantages that we get when people are working together, the leaders are on the same page Everybody's working together. What what really accomplishes what can come out of that, ideally, in any situation? Well, one that we kind of alluded to is positive peer pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, peer pressure sometimes can be a negative thing, obviously, but it depends on the direction. But positive peer pressure, I want to be a part of that group. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be a part of that group. I, I want to do like they do uh, because there's somebody I admire. Mm-hmm. But that really comes about after the fact sometimes because, first of all, there has to be some synergy between people. As individuals, I've never seen a team made up of people that don't like each other. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's been said, and I wrote them down a few minutes ago, that in order to have a cohesive team, one that sticks together, you know, through thick and thin, bad, bad years on the tennis courts and that type mm-hmm. of thing, losing records or whatever. Not that you would know anything about that, no, Brian. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Yeah. And I wanted you to bring – I know you wanted me to bring it up that how, how what a great coach you are and how you've turned, turned that team around. You're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and you have done a miraculous job with maybe, that team maybe, out maybe there. Maybe it's you the really note I slid you a minute ago. That's it. Please bring this up. But, yeah. But the four factors that make it for a cohesive team are frequent, substantive interaction, meaning something mm-hmm. happens because they're together and communicate mm-hmm. well together. But it has to be frequent. Mm-hmm. You can't communicate well and – be have frequent substantive interaction from four corners of the world, you mm-hmm. know, and have a mm-hmm. teamship. You have to have norms or expect uh, expectations mm-hmm. T- to be a part of this team. You do this, or you do these things this way, or we feel this way. Those are the norms, expected behaviors. They're not always stated. They're not always known. They're not written down. Sometimes they're just assumed. Okay, it's like whether you wear a tie to a meeting or not, mm-hmm. so you don't stand out. You know, it's a group norms on. Consensus. Uh, teams have a way that evolves about how we make decisions together, how we make decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's not just voting and that sort of stuff. But it's something happens when a team is functioning well where the voice of one represents the voice of all. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then the last one is sentiment. And that sounds like a mushy term, but sentiment is not sentimentality. It's sentiment meaning I like the other people here on my team. I don't have any problems with them. You know, there, there might be a standout in there, but... For the most part, I like these people as people. Right. And the the teams are formed around that a lot Mm -hmm. of times. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just – that social aspect of being a team I think is a real critical missing difference sometimes because in the fast-paced world of like healthcare work right now where everybody's stretched thin, they don't have time to develop those relationship issues sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, they should. Yeah. And they want to. And we know employees want to from our surveys, Alan. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that's there. But those four ingredients have to be present to have a cohesive team from what the textbooks say. Well, the, the only thing I would, I would maybe add or even adjust to that is that I, I, I'm not sure I agree that everyone has to like each other to be part of an effective team. Okay. Well, thanks for your time today, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> we'll invite you back maybe some other time. <laughs> now, I do like you too. Okay, okay, so good, we're going to be an good. effective team. So we're a right? team here? Okay. Yeah. But I will say I've been part of uh, parts of effective teams. Now, maybe they weren't as effective as they could have been. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the issue where you didn't necessarily like each other. But you do have to respect each other. Mm-hmm. And to me with teams, and that's one of the hard parts, is uh, I would imagine there's a lot of people that – step into a leadership position where they don't necessarily get to choose who's underneath them. Yeah. So, okay, you're appointed as a manager now, and here are your people. Well, if all of a sudden you don't like those people, doesn't mean necessarily that you can't be effective. But I think there has to be some respect given. And, and usually with my team, there's a mm. talk at the beginning of the year that said, you know, the person next to you, if you don't respect them, we're in trouble. Because right? mm-hmm. if you don't respect what they're going to do on the court, you don't have to like them to where you hang out together when you right. get off the court. You don't have to have this as your best friend. It helps, right? If mm-hmm. they are your best friend, then mm-hmm. we are, we're going to be even better. Sure, right? yeah. But um, you know, if you have individuals who don't necessarily like each other, uh, but they can respect, as long as they have that, that person respect has level. a job to do and they do it well. Yeah. I have a job to do. I do it well. I don't necessarily need to go and interact with them every day. Sure. I think you can still be effective. Are you going to be as good? No, mm-hmm. right? But I do think that you can be effective. That it's harder to be mm-hmm. effective, and that's one of the the biggest challenges that I've ever had as a as a coach is when you have individuals that don't get along to try to find some way or another that they can 
cross paths and still respect each other, and that's mm-hmm. uh, extremely tough. So how active are you in trying to make that different for them? I mean, are you command and control type of leadership at that point in time? You guys get your act together, yeah. or is it you nurture it, you grow it, you force them to interact with each other? Yeah, I, I, I find the forcing, the forced interaction doesn't work. Yep. You know, I've, I've tried it uh, unsuccessfully, I think, to say, well, an, an example, you know, I really need you to can you can you call this person and you guys go hang out at some point can you get the team to hang out together this weekend <laughs> mm-hmm. and if a coach is asking that to happen it's like yeah. you know mom and dad asking you to go hang out with a kid that you don't really like as, yeah. you know, as you're Down growing up. oh you guys work. are the same age exactly. you should go play you should outside like each together. other right <laughs> yeah but i think there's creative ways of going about it things like um you know in my my world it, it becomes very easy to have you know group activities that go on in practice. I mean, it's an individual sport. Everything mm. that we do generally is the person on the other side, I want to beat them and they're on my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in practice, having ways where they're, you know, putting them on the doubles team together, putting them in a drill where if you don't do this, then this person doesn't win. Then all right. of a sudden you start to kind of foster right. that interaction. Some of that has to happen out, outside of the workplace. You do things creative. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine the same thing. It's not like you can go and say, I'm a manager. I've got two people that don't seem to get along together. You know, let's just get more meetings together. Yeah, let's yeah. get more holiday parties work. together. You guys go you, have lunch together and go. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it doesn't work. You're right. I'll give you a good example of that. I'm working mm-hmm. with a, a nursing group right now in one hospital where one nursing manager, of course, their VP wants them all to be a team of nurse managers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a noble thing to do, but um, they're not. And one person really stands out. Now, she's been a superstar. In fact, she's been held up by the VPs and others mm-hmm. as this is the model. This is, what a great job you've done, that type of thing. So much so that the other people don't like her. There's resentment. Yeah. So when they detected there was a lack of teamwork in the group, the vice president said, well, let's all go to get together one evening, go out to Outback or whatever and have a beer mm-hmm. and eat together. Mm-hmm. Have some social time together. Let her hair down. Well, this one manager told me, she said, well, I'm not going. It's on one to one. I said, "Why not?" She said, well, first of all, I don't like beer, and secondly, I don't like those people." <laughs> <laughs> kind of a over two on this. So That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> the best, uh, the best of the world didn't happen there. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see that, and it's it's a complex it's a, world. It really yeah. is. It it relates to leadership. It relates to the individuals in there. It relates to how you motivate people in one direction, and how you get them to sacrifice something of themselves. I mean, the thing about take one for the team. Yep. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. Um, here's a good example. I could never envision a group of true entrepreneurs being a team. The nature it, of the entrepreneur, yeah. the individual performer type yep. of thing. Yep, it'd be tough. It's just contrary to it's it's it's, it's, it's totally contrary to the idea of a team. Yep, you right. Know, sharing, interacting, uh, releasing some of your own control in favor of others, all those types of things. Brian, let me let me, let me ask a question. Then I don't know. I don't want to interject here. I'll mm-hmm. steer it, but. I was curious about the effect of rewards and recognition about teams and team members. Do you recognize teams for their accomplishment, or do you recognize and reward individuals for their accomplishments? I think you have to, I think you have to do both. Really? I think you have to do both. But I, but I think the individuals, this is, well, the sport world has changed dramatically in the last you know, 30 or 40 years to where 
now people are ultra sensitive about giving the most valuable player award mm-hmm. or ultra sensitive about giving the first place award. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure that there's a distribution of awards. You know, mm-hmm. now there's the participation award, Everybody the gets one. sportsmanship yeah. award, yeah, that sort right. of thing. But right. Yeah, right. and the reason being, I think, is that they didn't want people singled out and they didn't want those individuals to everyone else to feel as though they weren't worthy. Yes, um, yeah, and you down the list too. And you get the award for being the last person to get an award. Yeah, right. <laughs> you were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's backfiring a little yeah. bit now, right? Is that you don't have individuals that are totally driven to be successful and kind of have that fire about them. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's important to I think it's important to have a situ- have a setup where their individual performance actually does stand out and they get recognized, whether that's rewarded or whether that's just uh, accountable for what mm-hmm. they do. But at the same time, I think you have to show that there's a benefit for having a team. Classic example of of this I had a few years ago where, I mean, you mentioned you want the entrepreneurial people who really are not team players. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I think that a lot of times as a coach, people always think that they, the coach wants to have people that are are so for the team that they don't care about themselves anymore. So sometimes they try mm. to pretend like, mm. oh, no, that's okay. Go ahead and take my spot. Mm. And tennis is a great mm. example of this, right? We only get six people to play, mm-hmm. six starting spots, and uh, that's seven person. Of how many? Like how many do you typically have on uh, a team? I'd have, say, 12 guys on a team. So like half your team actually gets to play. Yep, yeah. half a team, half will get to play in a, um, as a starting position. And, you know, as a coach, it's it's hard, but you want you kind of want both sides. You want someone who really wants the team to do well and understands if they don't if they're number seven that mm-hmm. day. But you also don't want that person wanting to be number seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there, you know, there was a situation a couple of years ago where we were on a spring break trip. We were playing, you know, multiple matches a day, and uh, about the third match, you know, I looked at one of my players who had been playing number six and said, you know, I. We, we need to win this match, and number six is going to come down to your spot as being a, a very important play. Mm-hmm. Do you want that spot right now? Yeah. And kind of he paused, and I think he was overthinking it, thinking, what does he want me to say? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what, uh, Colin, who was the person at number seven, you know, he's playing pretty good. Why don't you let him take my spot? Mm-hmm. That sounds really great. Mm-hmm. And as a coach, right. sometimes you're thinking, wow, you just made my job easy. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that made me look differently of that individual right, for sure. the season. And he actually was benched for the next three or four matches because really? I, I wasn't sure if I could trust that he really wanted to be out there and had the killer instinct to be so able to do it. There's got to be some individual fire in there yeah. a little and bit. And the tough yeah. part, this is where the leader, the yeah. tough part of being a leader comes in, is you want them to be upset if they don't get that spot. You want them to be, you know, you mm-hmm. want them to be shooting for that mm-hmm. um, recognition, and you want them not necessarily to be happy if they don't get it, but you also want them to respect the process yeah of the fact that they didn't earn it. It's almost like in a business world, you've got a team of people, you've got sales goals, you've got objectives, you've got project goals. Somebody would like a promotion, there's a promotion opportunity available. You you want a team, you want members of your team that are all wanting that level. Yeah. And I could see in the same situation where somebody steps back and say, well, this person's probably better for that role than I am, so that person needs to get promoted. You don't want people who are going to be so passive about it, but you do want people, like you said, that if they get passed over and somebody else gets promoted, it's like, I get it. I understand. And it's best for the team. I'm going to keep working individually right. on what I want to get better on, but I'm not going to, it's not going to turn into a sour grape situation because somebody else got chosen. Well, and it, it's, you know, a, it's, it's an issue of, yeah. you know, are you going to get passed over and be motivated mm-hmm. to do better next time, right. which means the leader has now done their job. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, in the sports world, 
having someone not start or having someone not get a position they want, mm-hmm. but be totally motivated to you know, come back and be better, all of a yeah. sudden you've done a great job as a coach. Yeah. Well, you get the person to turn around and say, you know what? Forget this guy. I'm not really interested yeah. in working for them anymore mm-hmm. because obviously he does. If, they're, if they're not willing to be honest with themselves and realize why they didn't get it, then I think you've got a problem. I think, I think we're close to zeroing in on one, one of the main differences about teamship and team players in a sports venue, any type of sport, and in a um, from the healthcare environment or business healthcare, whatever, because the recognition that sports players get for doing well comes in two levels all the time. My won a loss record. Mm-hmm. Our teams won a loss record. Our position in the conference, those types of things. Our position in the championship. Mm-hmm. The, that's that's automatic reinforcement and saying, okay, we're getting there. We're we're getting there, type of thing. Or I did well. That's that's ever present. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a minute ago, Alan, about getting that promotion. Well, you know, in healthcare, sometimes and in, in other business world, healthcare uh, the promotions are not something that takes place every day, every mm-hmm. week, or whatever. It's years at difference in there. So how do you keep a person who's not getting promoted <laughs> to still think team first? You know, yeah. And part of that is what kind of measures do we give them to say we're doing well mm-hmm. as a team? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't have those metrics. I mean, okay, we discharge so many patients. Well, yeah, but you know that's what they're here for is to mm-hmm. get out of the hospital, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Uh, or our business metrics, you know, are, okay, we did well financially last month. Okay, but did we, or mm-hmm. what was the cause of it? You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, right. it's a much fuzzier terminology in terms of recognition and therefore reward for the individual and the team, I think, in non-sports venues. That's why I like the, the idea of talking about teamship because and, and, I think it's the purest form of teamship when you talk about sports analogies. I really do. Right. I sure I can I can nitpick and say well in sports uh, track and field, yep. you know yep. that's not a team unless you're on the Olympic team, uh, or unless you're on a relay team. But you're right. It's about how we practice, how we train together, mm-hmm. how we make each other better, even at things that we don't do the same way. Right. You know, yeah. Right. Better high jumper because this guy's a better broad jumper because we train together, we push mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. I like that. I just don't know where that fits in. In my world, sometimes. well, and, and and that's the part that. that you know you guys will have to and you know kind of educate me on. I it it seems like how do you, how do you go about getting an individual's performance, whether it's and it's not just the outcome. That's the other thing with with sports is I think we've done a really good job of is recognizing that someone's uh, attitude really made a difference for our team mm-hmm. giving things like most inspirational as a at the end of the year well you know what maybe you didn't win everything and that's certainly the win loss that didn't show up but yet there are ways that you you made us better yeah and yeah. and i think that that's got to be important in the the business world right because again the promotion is not always going to be there yeah the sale you know you may have someone who as a support staff yeah. and they don't get to have the glory of the sale yeah. right. right that's right but that support staff somehow needs to there needs to be some accountability to as to how do they how does what they do on a day-to-day basis yeah. result in our success right that's why i, I, I like to use a term with managers a lot about recognizing employees contributions rather than their performance yep. yep performance means how to do against that measure contributions are what i brought to the table yep. you know mm-hmm. to make a difference Let, let's think for a minute right now of course it's holiday time when this real time is holiday time christmas sure. time for us and the movie that's out now, now that everybody's going to, Brian, I know you've seen it with family. Brian, Alan, you've seen it yet? Uh, Louis Zamperini's uh, um, Unbroken. Unbroken. No, I have uh, not. Uh, 
my shame on you. I know. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> it should be. But to if me, if you want to just sit and drink a coffee for a minute, yeah, we'll talk. Um, yeah, we'll just okay. talk. I'm, I'm going to take a little break. Let Brian and talk. Yeah, just, <laughs> just back out there, um, Alan. Son, the um, <laughs> Louis Zamperini. When you talk about making everybody else better, that's not a sports in, environment. He started out in sports, you know, mm-hmm. but that was individualized. There's no doubt about that. But in a prison camp. His strength, his endurance, his standing up to his captors in front of the others. Mm-hmm. Do you think that helped them endure their captivity more? Well, I would hope so. I would think yeah. so, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I, I'm I'm thinking so too. So, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. to me, that's influence of a team, positive team yep. player, yep. not taking one for the team, but by doing so well themselves that they are an inspiration to others. Yeah. You know. Well, let me let me give you a, a, another sports connection. So, same idea. So you didn't like my well. That, that was okay. That okay. was okay. <laughs> but well, let's let's relate it to to that situation. Is that you know there's they call it social facilitation, right? Mm-hmm. Is that and we've done research on this. It, it's it's the most uh, obvious research finding that you can have that if you're around someone, your performance is going to be different if someone else is around than if you were alone. Period. Like every okay. time that we've tested it, it's come true. So mm. you could, I could tell you, here's a, uh, here's a, uh, a force plate, and I want you to push on it as hard as you can and see how much force you can create. Mm. If you're here alone doing that, you're going to do it at a much lower level than if four of us were sitting here watching it, hmm. right? I mean, there's this idea of facilitating mm. your performance by having other people around. Right. Well, that automatically tells us that we're going to do better or we're actually going to do differently, I should say. Not yeah, always better. Right. There's yeah. also a kind of a, a social degradation that happens. But uh, we're going to do differently if we have other people around us. So there's the benefit of if I'm coaching this track team, mm-hmm. then there's a reason why I want to have practice with everybody around mm-hmm. and not just let me go take you as an individual and go work with you. I can okay. make you the best I could, I could possibly do. But if you're also able to look over and see someone else doing really well and it motivates you to, to go faster – I mean, it all came about from, you know, cycling research, and they found that, you know, I could put someone on a track on a, on a bike, and they, they would tell them to go as far as fast as they could go, and they would have a certain performance. But yet, if I put another person out there with them, all of a sudden, no. they go faster. So there's more than 100% that they can give. So there's some benefit for having someone else doing the same thing you're doing yeah. or doing it well to motivate you. And I think that's where you know, businesses, you know, mm. putting people in silos is usually, yeah, I think yeah. there's some downsides a, to that. That's a no-no, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. And, so you and want people being around others. I mean, so that situation in the movie, there's got to be some benefit for me seeing someone else perform mm-hmm. and me getting motivated. Now, of course, that can be a downside if the performance is not a good thing. If I've got behaviors that are happening on my team, then everybody else is seeing those. Yeah, and those well, you're rest. pointing out something that's really a, a problem. Again, I'm coming from the healthcare world mm-hmm. mostly, uh, but I, I imagine it's true in all areas. And that is, um, so you, as a leader, do you try to build in inter-team competition i mean because we've always heard and been said you don't do the silos here's nursing here's radiology here's lab here's environmental services and so on and so forth and the silos we got to work together as a team but rarely does that come about you know mm-hmm. right the objectives aren't the same sometimes yeah and um and so when we're giving results back for a survey for example we're told mm-hmm. really don't show to the whole group everybody's scores by department on certain things mm-hmm. Because it builds that competition, like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that way, that way, because such and such and all. So th- there is a mixed message there, I think, yeah. about building in competition as a means to social facilitate betterment versus 
building in competition as a means of people's resentment. Right. Yeah. I think a little bit of the difference there is that in a lot of the organizations, businesses, you don't always have those finely tuned teams where everybody's on the same page. There's an objective, a goal that everybody's striving for. Yeah. And I think if you had that situation across the board, you could show metrics across each of them and say, look, here's who's at the top, here's who's at the bottom. Mm. Kind of like ranking on a, on a team. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, this is our number one player, this right. is our number seven player. Right. But the difference in an athletic team is that those individuals who have been brought together, hopefully the goal is very focused. It's a very targeted goal. It relies on both individual and team performance. If we could create that same environment across an organization, then I think having that healthy uh, in competition between groups and teams is, is good. I think it would actually work, and I think it would self-motivate. Unfortunately, a lot of organizations are not blessed enough to have every team working with a really solid everybody on the, in the group is, is on board. So then it becomes a little more nitpicking and infighting and resentment as opposed to an encourager to get stronger as a team. That's kind of the difference I see. And I'm sure there's some sports teams where having the ranked empl- uh, people on the team is doesn't work because they're not all bought in. They're all performing at a very individual right. level. Yeah. And you got that same infighting and resentment. It's just I think the ideal model is you should be able to show how each team's performing against each other as an encourager to the other ones. But that doesn't always work because of the teams that we've got built right now. Well, and I would say that this is where a sport like tennis is different than even a sport like track is that the beauty of and, and honestly I think it would be easier to motivate players on a track team than it is on a tennis team mm. mainly because or I shouldn't say motivate motivates going to be there but I think to get them to work together as a team mm-hmm. because you can say well you're the sprinter right and you being a good sprinter isn't taking away from a good mm-hmm. long distance person over mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. right just like a you can be a really good salesperson and this person is our administrative staff. Right. You guys can both be excellent in your field you and not the take best away you from can one be, another. And it doesn't compete with one another. And tennis is right. really, really tough, right? Mm-hmm. And me to be able to say, well, you're number one and you're number two. Mm-hmm. Number two knows that they're less than number one, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I can't. I'm not saying you're this. So that's why a lot Unless of times they're dyslexic tennis, and think of number two. As number and one. you know what? You know, if they're golfers, <laughs> we're right? using new maybe, math. New math. Ways, maybe, yeah. maybe two is higher than one. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I think that that's where my struggle often becomes is as a tennis coach, you have to find other roles for them. Well, you're our double specialist. Okay. Yeah. You're our single specialist. And all of a sudden they've got ways of finding unique contributions. But I mean, you guys tell me, but in a corporate world, are there, if you created a team, let's say, in you know, your current company, if you created a team, would it be all the salespeople together or a team? Because now they're competing. Yeah. Or would it be a salesperson with a, um, you know, a, well, that's the kind of team that we have right now. Is we're, talk, how loud yeah. talk about that? Because yeah. that's yeah. what we set up this year. Our teams are based on function as opposed to in objective uh, of our service project, lines. Project-based. Yeah, as opposed to everybody that's in sales is a team together. Everybody that's a project manager is a team together. So if we have a team for our employee survey work, we have a team for our patient survey work, you know, there is a salesperson in that team. There's project managers in that team. There's IT person in that team. So you can have the best of mm-hmm. somebody in that team, the go-to person. The goal is that they know at the end of the year we want to hit these numbers, we want to have this this performance, and we got to work as a team to get there. And we don't have individual numbers. We don't, no. right? No. We have no. team numbers. That's right. It's a team yeah. numbers, team yeah. objectives, team goals. Now, the challenge for us in that situation, which we're learning this is the first year we've kind of structured our teams that way, the challenge is 
making sure we still have that individual recognition performance when there are not necessarily as many individual metrics to go after. So yes, we know that this team as a whole, we want to bill out this much revenue. We want to have this kind of level of client retention, but because it is a team based activity, who do you account client retention to? Right. Well, ideally it's the team, but yet if there's six people on the team and they all had a hand in it, how can you still as an individual give them some measurement of how they're doing? It becomes a little tougher. Yep. Um, so, uh, but I think it's a, I think it's a worthwhile challenge to have that team environment. I'd rather deal with how we, how we figure out individual performance and let that be a challenge for us as opposed to saying, well, we need to do away with teams and let's go back to individuals. Cause that was a lot easier to, to measure individual performance. You know? Right. Well, and I think that that, that's, that's where we can start talking about the downsides yeah. of having a team as well. Yeah. Right, as you said, you can put this team together, but if you can't determine how each one of them is performing individually, then there's a really good opportunity for people to slack off and let someone else carry the weight. Right, that's one of the the big negatives of of team, and a lot of times it really comes down to the number of teams. So, how many people would be in your team? Maybe like five or six people. Okay, yeah, because yeah. that's that's the idea. If you make the teams too big. All of a sudden, you, you get you know what we call social loafing or yeah. social uh, what social loafing loafing loafing, loafing. loafing. Mm, so yeah. the more you know, oftentimes you get multiple people together. It's the what's the uh, I guess the 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 story that goes along with of the you know the people that are looking out of uh, a building window when someone's getting mugged at, in the street and they all look down and look around and see that everybody else is seeing it as well so mm. nobody calls the cops Apathy. right it's the idea of saying oh well someone else somebody else has got done, that covered right? we're all good um, it's yeah. the idea of uh, in the sport world we often say the the classic example is if we're if we're doing a tug of war right i mean i uh, alan can pull 250 pounds dad can pull 250 pounds 700 okay yeah and and i can you know pull 50 maybe 40 50 if you add those together ideally let's say if we all can pull 250 pounds then ideally we should be able to pull 750 together but Mm -hmm. unfortunately you put us on a rope and most likely we're going to pull less than 250 because we're assuming everybody everybody else is is helping out everybody else is doing some things Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you get a large team you get them and the more people you have the less effort each one puts into that. That's why football teams don't practice as a whole. They practice yeah. as offensive line, as wide receivers, as you know, so on. So they want the social benefit, but they also don't want the loafing that goes along with, well, everybody else is doing the effort, and I don't need to. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I want us to dig a little deeper into the, some of the downside of having teams and some other things to keep in mind with that. And then I want us to finish up the conversation, if we can, with some kind of do's and don'ts. You know, when you're assembling your team, when you're working with your team, what are some things you really absolutely have to do? What are some things you need to make sure you avoid as well? So when we come back from the break, let's talk about those, uh, those two topics, if okay. that sounds good to you guys. Good. Sounds great. Great. We're going to take a quick, quick break. We'll be back in just a moment with Leadership GPS talking about teams. Are they important? Are they needed? And some of the differences between the corporate world and the athletic world. Uh, here on the Mesh.TV, we'll be back in just a moment. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. 
Hello and welcome back to Leadership GPS here on TheMesh.tv, our online podcast network. Again, if you like the kind of conversation we're having here today, I do encourage you to go back and listen to old episodes of Leadership GPS. Uh, if you just can't get enough of the Alan and Tony Jackson show, uh, hearing us talk about leadership, and man, we've got hours of stuff you can go back and listen to. You'll be you'll be married to us for life. You know, it's actually a shame we're recording this after the holidays are done or winding down because this would be a great way to spend your holidays is to go back. I think we've got thirty, forty episodes. I think you can go back and listen to across the universe that would spend their whole holiday season listening to <laughs> hours of. It's an entire weekend. I mean, you really could just listen to this stuff. So. Uh, that, what a great Christmas gift. Yeah, maybe past Christmas already, but keep it in mind for next year as well. Uh, but we do encourage you to go back either on the website, themesh.tv, or you can go to Apple iTunes, find Leadership GPS, and see all of our individual episodes ready to download for free, no cost to you whatsoever, and listen to it at your own uh, listening uh, leisure on any device you choose. But let's get back into our topic here, guys. We were talking about this idea of teamwork, and we've got Brian Jackson with us, my brother, dad's uh, son who uh, from Oregon visiting with us and director of tennis and professor of uh, kinesiology and gosh, what's the other term you use there? Sports performance management, performance, performance psychology, sports psychology, psychology right. yeah, motor behavior yeah. at a Pacific university out in Oregon. There, joining us in this conversation, talking about teams. Uh, what are they, how to make them work right? What are the differences between the sports environment and the business world? And what can we learn from one another in that situation? We talked a lot about some of the reasons to have a team. We talked about what teams are. We talked about some of the pros and positives you get from a team environment or a team culture. But we started to talk a little bit before the break about what were some of the downsides, maybe what could be the problems with a team environment. And Brian, I'm really just curious in, in your world, what are some of the detriments of having a team culture? You know, when you, especially when you've got strong individual performing uh, athletes. What are some of the downsides of a team? What, what could come out of that that maybe is not the desired effect? Well, one, you know, one we started to talk about before the break was the idea that, you know, typically the the larger the group, the less people give within that group, and then mm-hmm. it, it's you know you've got to kind of weigh the idea of if I have this group together, they're going to learn from each other, they're going to benefit from each other, potentially going to raise each other's game, uh, but there's also a possibility that they're going to stop going to giving the max effort because mm-hmm. everybody else is there and in coming up with ways in which they all can see their individual contribution if you don't have that oftentimes you've got people that will slack off you've got people that will um, you know go to practice and therefore realize well I don't have to give everything because you know there's plenty of people here to take the mm-hmm. time they were the ones you turn around and all of a sudden they're wandering and doing other things because you're not they're not as accountable. They're not getting your, mm-hmm. your most attention. It's kind of like what we run into a lot of times with department meetings of employees or team meetings. The larger the numbers, you've got 40 people yep. sitting in a room. Yep. There's going to be those on the front rows and those talkers. And everybody else is sitting there saying, well, I'm sure they'll talk about it. Yeah, they already talked about that. Yeah. Yep. Contribute. Yep. But if it's five people or six people or seven people, the obligation is more on me. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a... In college, when you've got a large lecture hall class yeah, versus a really small hide. class, yep. you can kind of hide you in the hide. back of the class and you figure, well, I've, I can talk to some of my uh, fellow students and make sure I know what I need to know for the mm-hmm. test, but you're not getting your full impact out of it. Small group, it's a little hard to, yep. to, to be invisible from that. So. Well, and obviously the the balance there is as a, in a business, you obviously don't want to take those 40, 50 individuals and then say, well, let's just break them up into meetings of four people apiece because mm-hmm. now you've got 10 meetings. Mm-hmm. So you've got to do the balance of what's the size to where I can keep their their attention, but yet 
also be efficient in my time, right? right? And not spending my entire time breaking things up across. But I the think group. it's a rule to remember about if you're wanting to forge strong teamwork, keep it as small as possible. Is yeah. small, the small the better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, you know, again, a, a meeting with you, Alan, as a um, you know, as a president of a company, if someone comes and meet with you, they're going to be much more on task and accountable because there's nowhere to hide. That's right. And there's, right. you know, it's 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 basically this is all my attention, and I know everything that comes out of this meeting is based on me, right? As opposed to a meeting with, you know, ten individuals. That's why you know every year I will not. I won't just have team meetings. You, that's that's a nightmare. You'll end up losing the accountability. You have to have individual meetings. You still have to meet with them. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that you're giving them face time and uh, assuring them that yes, I see what you're doing, good and bad, mm-hmm. and uh, and I want to make sure that you know that you know we're accountable here and the things you've done that have gone well. Here's how. Here's how it's benefited us. But so, that, so can we actually see that as a little bit of a? I mean, I want to say it's not a negative. It's just something that leaders need to keep in mind is extra work. In that Completely, you've yep. got two levels of accountability you've got to manage. You've got to manage the team environment, mm-hmm. and you still have to keep a level of uh, management on individual. Right. Because if you don't, if you just say, well, I'm just going to coach the team and let them go do their thing, you're, you're, you're going to trip up somewhere yep. on the individual side. Yep. You're going lo- to lose some that are not as motivated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and as ideal as it would be to say that all of my team is motivated individually to be the best they can be, that's not the case, mm-hmm. and that will never be mm-hmm. the case. Uh, some of them have different goals and aspirations than others. So, so I'd say that's a negative. You know, the size if it gets mm-hmm. too big. But mm-hmm. then the flip side, you're going to have to uh, spend more time. I'd also say we talked about it before. A team environment means all of us. The the benefit is that they gain from each other. The downside means they could gain from each other in mm-hmm. a negative right. way. And sure, right? yeah, that's that. true. You put people in a team, and you've got one bad seed, or you've got somebody in yep. there that's expressing a. a, a attribute that you really don't want to have shared well you're forcing these people to be in a team yep it's going to be a lot easier to spread that negative attribute a little yeah. bit more dad what about from your standpoint anything you see where teams kind of backfire or could be problems for individuals working in well i think it probably just an elaboration of what brian identified where a team actually becomes a negative team you know and it's because of lack of direction mm-hmm. lack of clarity of goals by the leader uh they're kind of left to their own devices I remember back, and I probably used this example a long time ago in one of our other podcasts, which I'm sure everybody out there in listener land has listened to. Mm-hmm. But um, when I worked in a cotton mill when I was in college and worked every weekend and holidays and all that sort of stuff, and boys, I did that back then to, to support you guys. Remember that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Is that, is and, that the one um, you walked uphill both ways to get there? Yes, correct? that's right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, the gray you see in my hair is lint. It's not, <laughs> not the hair. But um, we had we had people who... Who really, um, you know, to, to say that they were a team was probably inappropriate, mm-hmm. right? And to say that they were individual high performers is not. But they people wanted to be more of their colleagues, more associated with their colleagues than they did with expectations of leadership, the manager. We could have cared less what Robert Reynolds, the supervisor, wanted us to do on that third shift running a machine called Mangler, you know, and to meet his goals for us. Mm-hmm. What motivated us and made us more feel a part of something was when Shorty and the other six guys that had been there 40 years running those same machines would walk across the aisle and talk to Dolan and me, you know, and we became part of that group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We could care less what the supervisor thought of us. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a matter of what the nature of the existing group is that people want to be a part of. If it's a negative culture, and it happens in healthcare, it happens in, in other areas, 
Each department has its own subculture or its own team, if you would. Team effect. If that happens to be negative, people want to be a part of more of that, even if it is negative. So it's a powerful motivator. To be a part of a group of people is a very powerful motivator. Secondary question is, is that a positive group or a negative group? So that's a potential downfall. Well, and I've got a question, too, that probably relates a little more to the sports world than it does the corporate world. But you've got your superstar performers, Mm -hmm. your guys who are coming into a team, and they are – yeah, you know, lighting it up on their own individual stats. They they come from a you know, let's say in a high school where they were number one in their their whole state, for example. Mm-hmm. Come to a school to play a college university to play, and to work in a team. Sometimes that's going to hamper their own individual performance. I mean, they're not going to put up the same individual stats they had because now the expectation is they play in a team. Oh, maybe it's and like a Johnny Manziel type of thing on a higher level? A little bit like that. I mean, you've got a little <laughs> yeah. bit of those individual performance situations. You know, I even think about it in terms of uh, Miami Heat. You know, you packed in just the superstars, and, right. you know, it didn't really meet the expectations of a lot of the fans because you think, well, I'm just going to throw all these superstars in. But I think the trade-offs there of them trying to work as a team didn't always gel as well. Mm-hmm. So is that a detriment as well? Do you risk losing some of your top performers or – not getting them to join the team in the first place because you've relied too heavily on a team environment in a situation. Well, I think, I think the yes, you do run the mm-hmm. risk of kind of keeping everyone down to the average level, right? right? I mean, if you're teaching to the group rather than teaching to the individual, then they're probably not getting what they need. Um, but you also, yeah, you, you run the risk of losing motivation. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the thing you bring up, which is kind of interesting, is the in a team environment, usually the best player automatically becomes an emerging leader, mm-hmm. even if okay. they don't say a word, right? right? Everybody looks at that person as, well, they're really good, they're so I'm going to follow them. So to me, they're the most important part of your group. Mm-hmm. When you get that individual in, you've got to make sure they're exhibiting behaviors that you really uh, appreciate and value as a coach or as a, as a leader. If you bring in a, a hotshot uh, mm-hmm. salesperson, right, you've got to realize that that person automatically is going to be looked at Positively and negatively. Yeah, Everyone's sure. going to be looking to them. They're either going to look at them as that's the goal and I want to be like that person, or they're going to look at them as that person is threatening what I do. Yeah, that person took a spot and away. Or so you've got to make yeah. sure that person is, you know, oftentimes it's giving one for the team, right? You mm-hmm. need someone in that, that position who's willing to give for the team more so than any other, any other position. So instead of just looking for somebody with the best numbers on a sheet of paper, it's going to have to be somebody who can also resemble the uh, emerging leader role that you need right. that they're naturally going to take on. Well, that brings up another point. Y'all need an answer from each of you on this. Do you think it's more difficult to manage or coach a team of superstars, all of them superstars, or a team of good players? Well, I'll say it's definitely easier to coach to manage a team of good, solid players that work together well than it is individual superstars. You may not get the numbers you want and the performance, the records you want right off the bat, but i got to imagine in the long run, yeah. you're going to be better suited for it. It's, okay. it's easier and it's more enjoyable. So you can yeah. have, yeah. even so. though the objective as a team is to push each other to higher levels of contributions, there's a saturation point where everybody can you got too many superstars. Yep. Well, even yeah. in a corporate world, and I know mm-hmm. the superstar thing doesn't apply as much in a corporate world as it does athletics, mm-hmm. but you know, let's say you bring on a really high level, top notch performing salesperson in a role. Um, they're a superstar, they are heads and shoulders above anybody else you've got in your organization. If you get fortunate enough for that person to also be a good team player, then you're solid. I mean you're yep. good. They're gonna elevate everybody else. 
However, if they're focused on, I want my own numbers, I'm not always going to work the process with the rest of the team as Mm -hmm. I should. I'm not going to involve everybody else. Those are the ones that are probably more likely to leave quicker too. In other words, I found another opportunity where I can make even more money. So I'm ready to jump Mm -hmm. ship and go. And then for a company or a business, that actually puts you in a worse situation than you were beforehand. Not only did you bank on a superstar, that superstar is now left because they weren't part of that team. So I actually see real danger with that. So I'd rather go with somebody that maybe doesn't have the top performing numbers, but you got a sense that that person is going to be that right emerging leader within that team to set mm-hmm. the right tone and work with the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say my, my best teams have been the ones where I, I don't think we had the standouts. We had, mm-hmm. we had the solid middle, yeah. middle players, and they all were pushing each other to be better because they all wanted to be the standout. And that's always exciting, too, mm-hmm. when you've got people at the same level that are all wanting to be potentially the standout, but at the same time they're happy yeah. working with each other versus the person who is the standout knows it. It's obvious, and then it's really hard to keep the others motivated yeah. you know, to stay in line with that. Yeah. So it sounds like we've, we're saying that having a team in most situations is a good objective to shoot for, that a team motivates itself, they push each other through that social affiliation and, and modeling to higher levels of contribution on an individual, which makes the whole team rise. But there can be disadvantages of trying to f- force a team into the wrong mold mm-hmm. or the wrong well, mold. It's, it's understanding that there's a lot more leadership involvement yeah. in managing a team yeah. than just having a bunch of talented individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, the effects sound like in the long term are much greater and more, much more positive, but it is a lot more work as well. That brings up a point. I mean, a lot of times, Brian, you know that I'm, I'm brought into healthcare environments to, be, to, to do leadership coaching, people say. And I always tell them, say, no, I'm not a coach. Coaches are there every day watching the plays evolve, watching the performance come out, watching the contributions. Step in, it's just like playing the, pulling the wide receiver who ran a bad route over the sideline and no, you do it this way mm-hmm. on the spot, uh, rather than the day labor like us that come in as consultants once in a while to do something. So we're more leadership consultants. Uh, but I made a note up here. Said the, that their manager equals coach a lot of times in a healthcare environment. That we always think of coaches in healthcare and business environments as people who are one-up leaders above a work group. The coaches and the coach above them is a person above them. That type of thing. So to me, the question is: Do you coach a team or do you coach individuals in the tennis world and sports world? Do you coach a team or do you coach individuals? Uh, that's a good. It's a good question. I mean, I, I think you you have to do both, right? Mm-hmm. If you do one or the other, you're I think you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just say I'm going to go into my tennis team and I'm going to coach these individuals and have individual lessons and and workouts, I think you're going to fail in the long run with the motivation that goes to working with each other. I mean, yeah. I think they you know they they see their their own purpose, but they don't see the greater good. And if you just go in and say, we're going to work as a team, then you run the risk of the really good player yeah. falling back to the pack. Leveling and the low, lowest level player not being able to pull up. You know, you, you, you end up seeing a lot of kind of reverting to the mean, which is not mm-hmm. always what you want. You want yeah. everybody striving to be that yeah. high level player. Yeah, we call that in the other world leveling down. Leveling, you know, yeah. the superstar up here, if there's not the rewards, recognition, and, and, Things coming their way for being that good, mm-hmm. like a pay performance system in healthcare or management or whatever. When you're paying for performance, if everybody gets paid the same, they just get across the board raises, no differentiation. 
person up there is about to say, so what What yeah. good does it do me? Right. Right. I just right. drop my level down to what everybody else is doing. Yep. You yep. Know? So Same thing happens be, in sports. Well, and there's got to be a combination of the two, right? I mean, it's so you need that individual striving for something mm-hmm. to differentiate them. But for me, it's a position on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a record. But at the same time, you need them recognizing that that there is something greater than just that rewards for myself, and there is there's something more to to be gotten there. That's why I think it comes back to I mean one of the one of the most important tools that a say a sports psychologist has when they go and talk to to coaches or to players is always the idea of setting goals, and so those those goals have to be set accordingly. You can't just go to say your goal is as a team we have to win the championship. Well, if you do that, nobody knows what it is mm-hmm. that they're supposed they're to do individually. Right. Their contribution. And they also don't know what they're supposed to do tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you're saying the first day of practice, we're going to win the championship. Yeah, that's our goal. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we do tomorrow? Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand yeah. what we do what's tomorrow. I think especially for your 7, 8, 9, 10 player, yep. they're saying, like, okay, my, what, do, what do I do about what's that? What's my job? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, None of mine counts. Right. My, you know. yeah. No, I, I, I yeah. get that. So those short-term small goals, uh, individual goals that then contribute <clears throat> So the idea would be, well, I want to win the championship. Let's break it down to now, Alan, mm-hmm. your goal is this yeah. within that. And if you do that, you're going to help to the piece of the pie. That Everybody plays their for. part. We as a yeah. team hit the, the overall goal that we're looking for. Key question again for you guys. Once a team, always a team? No, not necessarily. I mean, I, I, I think for the duration of that objective, that goal, whatever it may be, you've got a team environment. Um, but I don't think it has to be an expectation that that team always has to be together. I could see once objectives are met, you know, things are ready to move on. But once you've built a group of people into a team, is it fair to assume they're always going to be a team? No, no. Mm-hmm. I think it still has to be managed on a regular basis, right? Yeah, there has to be work along the way, right? I mean, that the the idea of it, well, take um, you know, take professional sport teams, right? And a lot of times they don't change members that often not as often as a college team would mm-hmm. with it gets new people every year but you know they go through ebbs and flows and then mm-hmm. one year they find out that this person is upset about their contract and needs a little bit more recognition whereas last year they were po- totally fine with where they were mm-hmm. i think you have to continue to nurture that's why it has to got, be coaching rather than simply just and then you got, and fix you've got it injuries you know or people leaving a team that's like forces the rest of the team to have to even strengthen what they're doing as a team yeah. well you know, there's got to be a constant management of that some of the some of the organizational behavior theory says that teams evolve from an immature group of people to a synergistic team kind of diagonal line across two axes one of which is communications and the other work is work processes how we do what we do and how we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And when those melt together and you got the same group of people and the same objectives, the same lack of threats or whatever, the same access to resources, all those things that could play into falling back from a team, then eventually you can not only be just an effective team, you can be a synergistic team where two plus two equals five yeah. or more. Right? But as, as you were saying, Alan, every time there's a change in the membership of that team, you start back to the yep. immature group because mm-hmm. yep. sure. you have to rebuild it. Yep. You add players or you take away players. You add employees, you take away employees. You got the wrong mix, you know. Uh, you know, the teams that lose a quarterback to an injury type of thing. Or you graduate your, your players. To, you know, every year you got to rebuild a team. Yep. Starting from scratch, yep. don't you? Yep. That's why I even look at like a college basketball program like Kentucky where it's just we're going to stock up with these the high school players. grads that are – we know are only going to be here for a year or two, mm-hmm. maybe two. They're the superstars. We're going to recruit them. We're going to get them here. We know they're only going to be around a short period of time. So where a lot of college teams, I mean, granted, over the years it's gotten a shorter and shorter window. It used to be you coach a team and you kind of knew you had those players for three or four years. 
when you're now shortening it down to one or two years, you've got to really maximize your efforts in making that team work for one year, knowing that next season you're going to have to rebuild from scratch almost constantly. Um, that's got to be an incredible challenge, I think, in the college level mm-hmm. because you are dealing with a time limit. You know, It's not like pros where they could be there 10, 12 years. Even high school, too, same idea. There's a time limit to how long you have those people. Right. In the uh, workforce, in the corporate world, you know, the challenge we have is people can leave to go to other jobs. Mm-hmm. People could you know, find a better opportunity. And then you're back to having to rebuild that team again because of that missing piece or different personnel involved. Or worse, they mentally leave the job but physically yeah. still here. So basically <laughs> like they're here, but yet you're not hitting those same like goals. That's where, well, and that's where coaches, probably the same as managers mm-hmm. and as directors, it's, it's a nonstop. Yeah. You know, yep. It's a nonstop it's deal. You, you're, you're, the coaches that know they need to get out of the, the coaching world are the ones that feel like, well, I've created it, and now it's going to run itself. Yeah. Yep. And if, that, if you think that's the case, then, I mean, it's, it's like running, it's running a race a up the hill. The team is not, you can't not stand right. still on the hill. If, it, if you stop moving, if you stop being nimble, if you stop trying to reinvent the, the wheel. Now, I will say, on the flip side, if you do a couple of things the right way, get the right people in, some of it does take care of itself. And what you want is you want to be pulling the strings from behind the scenes to mm-hmm. where they feel as though it all kind of worked out for them. And they, they all tend to, you know, have something that they're driving for themselves. So Good. Uh, just to kind of wrap up our conversation, I want to get some kind of quick hits from you guys, some kind of do's and don'ts. I mean, we, we, a lot of them are going to be probably recapping of what we already talked about in our conversation. But, you know, if I were to ask you guys, what are some of the top most important things to remember that you always need to do in managing and keeping a strong team? And then we're also going to counter with some, what are some of the things to make sure you don't do with regards to a team? Uh, you know, it could be some recapping of what you guys have talked about, or it could be some new things altogether. Who wants to start off? Who's got a, who's got a good do something that really needs to be I've got, done? Of course me, you know, you mean, I got, you got your bullet. I got later on my red, but I'll just do one. I'll do one. Then Brian, you want to take one? All right. Hmm. Where to start? These are all so good. You know, you're trying to pick your favorite yeah, one, right? One. Yeah. Well, the best one. You know, they're all just equal level there. They're all superstars. <laughs> well, one thing we did say, you stand a better chance of building a team when you keep it small, small focused, smaller teams. Well, not not only in terms of members of the team, as long as it's efficient to do that, um, but also small in focus. Yeah. Keep people in narrow focus. Mm-hmm. This is what we're after. That heel right now, yep. okay? Yep. That game. The next game is the most important. You've always yep. heard that in football yep. or anything else. I would like to look in the championship, look in the next game. Well, bull feathers. That's, that's not <laughs> always true, but it sounds good, and it probably works. Our focus is short-term and narrow, and therefore we can measure our performance against that, you know, and yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Brian? Take it on. So keep it um, small. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just really happy I heard bull feathers. Uh, <laughs> this is a well, PG show. We, uh, we keep it pretty low key. And you are so, my yeah. sons. You know, <laughs> so I can't be this doing great. other words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, using a, uh, using a sports term, I'd say make sure you spend a lot of time, effective time, recruiting and recruiting the right people. Uh, for me, recruiting the right people doesn't just mean looking at the hot shots. Uh, that's always the way I first I, I recruit initially. I go to see who has the highest ranking, who's sure. the best player. You've got to start at some point, yeah. But the most important thing that I find is getting the current people of that team involved in making sure that there's a connection there. And so for me, my step is always go out and find the best talent, bring them on campus, and if they don't get along with everyone else, if they don't fit into that mold, see you later. Mm. Right? They, they're not part. They're not someone you want because you don't want to make your team conform to someone else. You want to have them. If your team's going the right direction, you want the right personalities. And I would imagine, Brian, this is actually a question I was going to ask earlier. I would imagine having a strong team 
that is visible, that somebody new, a recruit that you're talking to comes and visits and sees that team environment, is a better recruiting tool than seeing a bunch of individuals that are kind of on their own own tracks, right? Incredibly, yeah. I mean, and that's typically what I get, right, Mm -hmm. is I'll get someone that comes and stays stays overnight and does uh, their campus visit. And, and usually if, I, if I'm going to get them, they're going to tell me, the guys were just great. Yeah. The team was great. Mm. This is, I mean, this, it has I nothing just to really do enjoyed. They, they don't even talk about tennis. Well, and certainly don't talk about me, right? <laughs> yeah. It's usually in spite of me, right? right? But they'll say, they won't say, oh my gosh, I'm really challenged by the, the team on the court. And, well, I love and the I facility think, that we've been I think I could be in, number right? one. Yeah. If someone says that, then that's not the person I want. Okay. If they say, I love the team. I loved. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I thought they all, you know, and uh, great to be around. That as long as I knew that, also the players then came to me and said, "This person's going to make us better," mm-hmm. and that's what I look for. Is oh, this person going to make feedback us better? From the other team members, totally. To see it. Yeah, yeah, that's. And I will. That's I'll good. take that over anything else. And so I would say, in the business world, get the team members involved in new people coming in, making mm-hmm. sure that if you've got the culture set up that the way you want. Make sure that personality is something that really is really high on the list. If everything's working right, your coworkers, your team members, we'll should be able to give you decisions. that same feedback when a new recruit's looked at or a new yeah. a new hire say that person will fit here yeah. really well. And, and the only time work. that that's different is when you're trying to improve what you do yeah. as a group, which I, I assume is always the case. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to move it's not always yeah. trying to fit them into the group if the group's not quite where you yeah. want it to be. And be yeah. very careful about getting someone who is so far beyond what you currently have, whether it's. Uh, mm-hmm. motivation or whatever because yeah. that will cause the bad apple and that's and that type of phenomenon and it's a, um, you know probably a crude example but you know when you're looking at a work group or a team you know, if they're all superstars and you reward the superstar of the superstars mm-hmm. okay fine no problem everybody's going to reward but what everybody if everybody's the, the norm is subpar mm-hmm. nobody's right. really good and you still have to reward individual effort, then you're probably rewarding the cream of the crap rather than cream of the crop. You know? <laughs> I mean, that rewarding happens. mediocrity, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Not, yeah. not an enjoyable list. All right, it's my time, right? Yep, yep. sure, okay. go for it. So we've had keep it small, sharp focus. We've had hire for fit or mm-hmm. you know, promote for fit, bring them in to that. Uh, next one for me is keep the expectations clear. Mm-hmm. That's the job of the coach or the manager is keep expectations about being a team player. I think it's all good fully expect and demand that people be a team player. But people have to translate that. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? What does it mean, like I said, tomorrow for me? Right. What's my contribution? Okay. Well, and just as an example of that, because you guys talked about a movie that I have not seen yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about a movie I know you guys have seen just because I saw it recently with my kids. And uh, to me, it's still one of the best examples of a coach forcing teamwork in a way without it being that we have to be friends it's forcing that respect level and knowing that, you know, kind of setting the expectations of this is how we're going to be as a team. So you're talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I am, absolutely. <laughs> How'd you guess? Perfect. Uh, remember the Titans football yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. You know, or the integration of uh, predominantly black, predominantly white high schools and coming together to play. They had to kind of get these guys respecting one another. The mm-hmm. coach never once said, I want you guys to be friends. Right. He made opposite players room together Mm -hmm. with the expectation of I want you to learn about them and report back to me something about their life again he wasn't saying go out and hang out and be friends and go to the malt shop together whatever it was know about them and report back to me that's the expectation Mm -hmm. but he was creating a team structure where team could work could evolve out of exactly the structure and it wasn't forcing them to be friends it was forcing them to respect one another and learn about each other 
And that was the expectation is that mm-hmm. you're going to learn about them. Yeah. And he knew that there was a good chance that many of them would start to bond a little bit stronger because of that. So it's, it's that expectation of this is what we expect as a team. It's not being unrealistic and not saying you got to be friends and, and, you know, go out and hang out all the time. It's, Here's how we're going to be as a team. This is the expectation I've got. You know? Well, it's also respecting differences between people, respecting their contribution levels, no matter what level it is, that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Brian, you got another one for us? Well, I was just – we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I wanted to reiterate. You need to make sure that there are group goals and individual goals together mm-hmm. and – ways of separating yourself individually or I should say rewarding yourself individually being accountable individually while having a balance of making sure that you're working to see what the team does you know that person who creates the highest you know sales result of the quarter also needs to see whether or not that sales goal helped anyone else and if mm-hmm. they can't see that well I you know I just hit you know, hundred percent, and these people are all down at twenty five percent. If 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 he would have, or he or she would have done a, a different way of approaching that, to where he brought everybody else up, then that's that's a more a positive way of going about it. So you got to make sure that there's ways of seeing what you do and how that can be rewarded individually, versus also seeing that what I do individually can actually help a greater good. And you need to be able to draw. Connections. So it's kind of managing both levels of that. It's both yep. the individual and the team. Yeah, you can't have one or the other. I, I would uh, imagine the corporate world, you cannot have no, just one no. or the other. If you yeah. just manage a team, it's individually you're going to lose some people. You're going to lose some motivation on the individual side. If you just manage individuals, then as a team, they're not working together and you're, you're fragmented as well. Because that also blends together the reward and recognition concept. Mm-hmm. Individual reward and recognition and I see no problem doing that in front of team members, recognizing individual team members or having stats and metrics that would do that. But you also have to have goals and objectives that are clear for the team. And when we do our parts well, this is what we can get to. Yeah. And you celebrate those things. Sure. You know? I don't know if you guys have any other do's I do. to the list, but let's just kind of go through and hit some of those a little bit <laughs> Sounds more. Sounds like real, real, real quick, like two other <laughs> things, I think. Okay. Or three things. One of which, it's a constant building process. Mm-hmm. Once a team, always a team is not a truism. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to always stay on top of it. Uh, different pressures on the team, changes in membership of the team, different resources to train the team, what it might be. You know, if you're, you're short-staffed in a department for too long, your teamwork drops. Yeah. When in the short run, it surges. We're going to make up for each other's, you know, snow days outside. They can't get in here. That's fine. No problem. We'll carry the ball. But let it snow for 15 days in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the team starts to fray pretty this, quick. Yeah. You know? The other thing that I had, other than a constant building process, was that um, you have to, as a coach or manager, and I, that, that's a point, I think. A manager is a coach and a coach is a manager. You have to manage teamwork, but you also have to coach it. You mm-hmm. know, Manage is creating that structure, that framework, like we're talking about the, the Titans and so on and so forth. Uh, the coaching is individual as well as team, painting the picture where we can be, where we ought to be, where you can be, um, and motivation there. Mm-hmm. But you have to deal with that aggressive of that non, that, that certainty of the non-team player. Mm-hmm. When you're sure that that guy, that gal is not on board and never going to be, it's their choice. You got to deal aggressive with that, yeah. you know, rather than having it taint the team. So that, that's what I bring up. Brian, you got any other news for you? We got them all covered. No, I think uh, we've covered the majority. I mean, we've covered a lot throughout the conversation. Jeez, yeah. Is there anything that you guys can think of that we need to express that, to make sure you don't do? I mean, again, we've already mm-hmm. talked about a lot of those things, but just any closing notes on things when managing a team that you need to make sure you don't do and you avoid if at all possible? 
I can't think of any don'ts. I, I, I would encourage every person who's in a leadership position to be critically mindful of the benefits of creating a team mm-hmm. um, in any role. And that's, that's something you have to keep being mindful about. It's not something that comes naturally. Mm-hmm. Usually we're just satisfied with everybody's out there doing their job. Okay, fine. End of the day, everybody's gone. Show up tomorrow, good. Well, you got a good team? Oh, yeah. Or is it just a group of group, good employees, you know? Yeah. Teamwork is special. Teamship is a special attribute of a group of people. The one, yeah. you know, the one thing I'll say on a don't side of things is don't assume as a leader that just because you set up your team that it's kind of hands-off for you, yeah. that all of a sudden that your job is done. That's right kind of that constant management you said, but also just even that mentality of, well, I've got the team, they're going to do their stuff. They've got their goals. I'm just going to sit back and watch, watch it happen. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, then I'll figure out something. Yeah. No, it's a constant process. And that's something that I know is tough with time requirements and everything else in a lot of busy organizations, but you build a team, it does add more, more complexity to your role as a leader, but you got to look at it as this will be something that will benefit our organization much, much better if I put the team, yeah. the time into yeah. building the team as well as managing individual performance on things. Yeah. yeah. And I would just say on the don't, one of the, the key elements with a coach is that don't, don't say things that you're not going to back up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you do really believe, let's say in my position, if I really do believe that effort is something that I care about and being a great team member is something I care about, well, I need to reward that. I can't go to someone and say, gosh, I really love the way you've been working. But I'm still going to keep that lazy person who is the yeah, better player right, in right. the lineup. Right? Mixed messages. Yeah, yeah I, you can't give the mixed messages because well, that will come back and bite you. And the whole team environment will will fall apart. So, you know, set up your culture the way that you want it, and stick with the culture. And sometimes that means potentially less productivity in the the short term, yeah. but greater productivity in the long term. Well, yeah. I think that's a challenge for a lot of leaders too. Is realizing that sometimes when you build a team. You're not going to get those results you want immediately. If you're building a really good team, it will take a while. And I think there's sometimes a a lot of impatience uh, out there. People want the superstars quickly. They want to build a rock star team of just high performers without necessarily building it into a team culture. You may get some very flash in the pan quick results, but you're not going to get the longevity you need on it. So. Guys, thanks so much for the conversation today. I thought this was great. And Brian, appreciate you, Thank you flying man. all the way from Oregon just to come record this just show. This. this is just really this. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. The dedication, I'm telling you as an individual, oh, yeah. I appreciate your performance in coming here to North Carolina yeah. and your performance on today's podcast. Dad, individually, you did great on today's podcast as well. I really appreciate today. your performance. Yeah, today. I mean, and in general as well. Okay, so good. I think Thank it's you. overall. And as a team. <laughs> as a team, as a, we, were we did really team. well. Yeah. 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 We were yeah. a good team for the last hour. That was yeah. Good. Well, this has been Leadership <laughs> GPS. This is, uh, again, our ongoing podcast audio discussion about the world of leadership and how you can affect change in your organization as a leader or if you're looking to evolve from a supervisor, employee, manager role into a stronger leader for the organization you belong to. I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, Tony Jackson with Drive Leadership. You can learn more about Drive Leadership at driveleadership.com or just go to the Jackson Group and ask about it there. We have information on both websites there. Mm -hmm. I'm at the Jackson Group, which is thejacksongroup.com, about employee and customer satisfaction surveys and experience surveys. And then our guest, Dr. Brian Jackson from Pacific University out in Forest Grove, Oregon. Thanks for being here. Feeling good about your season coming up? 
I guess you got good. both seasons, both men and women seasons yeah, coming we've up. Yeah, we've got uh, moving in the right direction. So mm-hmm. good. It's, gonna be it's always a, good to see. Year. You might want to give your email address in case any of our listeners out there want to dialogue with you by email about any of your points today. Yeah. What is it? Well, my email address is Brian Jackson, B-R-I-A-N, Jackson at PacificU.com. Or dot E-D-U, sorry. Pacific, Pacific, Pacific U. U dot E-D-U. Pacific E-D-U. Great. Yes, we'll make sure we put that in the little description notes on the show episode great. as well for that. So thanks, guys. And, and it's B-R-I-A-N, right? B-R-I-A-N. Not B-R-Y-A-N or not B-A-B-R-A-I-N. If somebody called you one time, it's Brain, yeah. Brain Jackson. Well, you yeah. spelled with an I. <laughs> oh, shoot. I that wrong. About 40 some years now. So. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Brian Son and Alan Son. Yeah. Thank thanks, everybody, fun. for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Take guys. care. Bye bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. 